this is Chris McDaniel, uh, the senior pastor at Trinity Anglican, and welcome to our daily podcast on this Monday, the first Monday of Easter. I'm going to read a passage of scripture from Mark 16 and then share just a few thoughts with you that will maybe not only orient us for today, but also maybe set the tone for how we can redeem this Easter season as followers of God. First, let's read. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, and then let's try to look at this passage and understand what we can. Holy Spirit, we ask you today for your grace to lean into this Easter season. We pray, God, that we would learn from Mark's account and that we would see things here that we're meant to see. God, we ask for the grace to receive great comfort from your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So today is Monday, uh, the very, very beginning of the great 50 days of the Easter season. We've said this during the Lenten season, that Lent is a 40-day period of wilderness wandering, and Easter is a 50-day season of feasting. And we acknowledge that this season is going to be uh, complex for all of us uh, with what we're facing right now as a culture and the relative social isolation. Learning to feast during a time like this is going to feel tricky, but we're going to do our very best to be faithful to the spirit of the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And I believe that this account here in Mark 16 actually has some really important insight for us that maybe will help us uh, become more uh, anchored in the reality of, of the season and frankly maybe help us stand in solidarity with these first friends of Jesus. This account of the resurrection actually focuses on uh, three female friends of Jesus. Uh, and there are three things going on here at the very beginning. Number one, they get up early that morning after the crucifixion had happened and they had been sitting in this place of uh, death and loss. And on Sunday morning, um, just a few days after, they, they want to go to the tomb. They actually just want to do something for Jesus. And as they go there, we see in the text that they're worried about barriers. They're worried about uh, how they're going to get to him, uh, specifically who, who's going to remove this stone. And I'm struck by that because I think sometimes in my own life there are uh, barriers. There are things bigger than me that feel uh, challenging, things that I'm not sure I can move, and I find myself worrying about whether or not those things would be taken care of for me or if they're going to keep me from being where I want to go. That's, that's what's going on in the heart of these friends of Jesus on Easter morning. And finally, they're caught off guard. Uh, they don't know what to make of the empty tomb and the stone rolled away. And I love what the angel says to these women in their disorientation. Uh, he says, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's been raised. He's not here. And then the angel says, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's alive. 
And I was thinking about that because if you're not careful, you just like fly right through it, you know, but go tell us disciples and Peter. And I found myself going, why did the angel mention Peter by name? He, he didn't mention all 12 of them by name. He didn't go to that trouble. He, he literally says, and Peter's the only one mentioned by name. And if you'll recall, uh, Peter had just failed Jesus. Jesus had told him uh, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to be betray me. And and Peter had said, no way, I'm going to be with you to the end. Peter actually was the one that promised to pick up his sword and fight for Jesus to go and die. And Jesus tells Peter, actually, when the critical moment comes, you're not going to have enough. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to meet the moment. You're you're going to fail. And one of the gospel accounts uh, at least tell us that after Peter's third betrayal, Jesus catches his eye across the courtyard having been arrested, and then Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. Uh, I believe in my own heart that the angel specifically calls Peter out by name to let Peter know through these female friends of Jesus that God loved him and was going to welcome him back even though he had faltered and failed. And for me, I take great comfort in that because there have been not, not a few moments over the last number of weeks where I, like Peter, have felt like I've failed, where I've fallen down and disappointed myself. And I love the fact that this gospel uh, account seems adamant to include those who had faltered. And so I just want to say to you today that if you have found that you faltered, you've fallen down, you failed, uh, Jesus actually welcomes us back, maybe especially when we fall short, especially if we're able to admit when we fall short, I think God just welcomes us. Uh, there's there's something here for you and for me meant to hear and see the heart of God for me when I falter, that he's here for me, not just people who have it all together all the time. And then the angel says, after saying specifically, bring Peter into the story, the angel tells these three female friends of Jesus, I want you to go and tell of what you've seen. I want you to go and essentially preach the sermon of the resurrection. So just a a side bit uh, for those of us who don't believe women should preach in church. It's interesting to me that Jesus uh, tasked the Holy Spirit through the angels, tasked uh, three women to preach the first sermon of the resurrection, and he tells them to go do it. And what we see in Mark is that they don't do it, at least not at first. Uh, They freak out. Here's how Mark ends in in verse 8. And so they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, if you have a Bible in your lap, you see that there are additional verses, but they're probably after a bit of an ellipsis, a break in the text. Uh, Verses 9 through 20 uh, were not in some of the most ancient manuscripts of early uh, text, in early text criticism. Uh, Some of the oldest uh, manuscripts, most reliable ones actually have Mark end at uh, verse 8 rather abruptly. Uh, end with women running out and saying nothing to anyone because they're afraid, they're terrified. And it's understandable that Christians, early Christians, would have felt uncomfortable with this ending, like something must be missing, this is so abrupt. But I tend to agree with uh, scholars, uh, the ones who would say that Mark should end at verse 8. Now, there's nothing utterly scandalous in verses 9 through 20, but I think Mark maybe wanted us to see something abrupt. And if you read Mark's gospel, all 16 chapters are very fast paced. They're somewhat abrupt in in the way that he tells the story. And so this would be a fitting ending. And what I think it says to me, these women being afraid and dismayed, it just tells us what we all feel in our bones probably, which is that they were having a really hard time 
uh, wrapping their heads around what life meant. You know, when you go somewhere looking for death and you experience life or at least the promise of life, it's oftentimes very disorienting. And these friends of the, of the risen Savior were having a really hard time pivoting. They were having a hard time adapting or comprehending uh, the fact that life had entered into the story. And I think that's true for you and, and for me right now. I find that despite the fact that we're sitting here in the Easter season, it's hard for my brain to comprehend what life means now. What does it mean for me to go and live as if Jesus is alive, which he is? And I learn a lot and take a lot of solace in the fact that these early friends of Jesus, these three dear female friends of his, they had a hard time at first, as, as did everyone. Um, they, they ran away. They were afraid and they were scared. And ultimately, they do get their feet under them. Uh, ultimately, these friends do go and tell and preach the first sermon of the resurrection. And there's great rejoicing. And Jesus appears to all of them. And it's a wonderful story. But they had to enter through a really bizarre and enter into a really bizarre uh, liminal space first, a kind of transition space, a threshold space. And I think that's where we all are right now. Uh, Y'all, it takes us a bit of time to get our feet under us. It takes us a bit of time to um, really understand what life means, especially when we feel like we're surrounded by death. And Mark's gospel was a, a gospel story that when it first hit the streets of Rome, Christians were facing death when they read these words. And so I think the actual abrupt ending would have really resonated with these early Christians. They were being fed to the lions and enduring great remarkable persecution at the time that Mark's gospel was circulated in the early church. And I think that the Lord probably in his wisdom uh, wanted those early Christians to recognize it's hard to uh, look at life when you feel death is all around you. And I think the Lord would probably want us to acknowledge the same tension. It requires a great deal of intentionality. And I just want to say to you as your pastors, we want to help you be intentional. Um, if you go to uh, the Westside's uh, landing page, westside.atltrinity.org, you'll see um, about halfway down three buttons side by side, uh, readings, podcasts, and practices. And I just want to say to you that our heart for you during this season and actually going beyond is to give you tracks to run on with spiritual practices so that you uh, don't just hear sermons or read the Bible, but you also have helpful tools that will get you into a place of anchoring where you, like those early friends of Jesus, would get your feet under you and actually know what to do with the things you're seeing and hearing. It took some time for those early friends, and I think it takes time for us to learn how to get our feet under us. And so in addition to our readings, a, a devotional plan, and our podcast, such as the one you're listening to now in our Sunday sermons, uh, we've just provided a new button there called Practices. And each week, we're going to give you access to certain very specific spiritual practices. And these practices are going to be very accessible, and they're going to be designed to help you grow in your day-to-day -day walk with God. We believe that the call of God on every one of us is to learn how to put into practice the things that we're hearing and seeing. It's not just enough to listen to a sermon. It's not enough just to think about big thoughts of Easter. We've got to actually learn how to put these things into practice. And so we want to help you by equipping you to walk more closely with Jesus, to ask the right kinds of questions, to learn how to slow down and be reflective. We've said it before. We think that there is a real invitation in front of us in this season to move from reactivity to being reflective, to be less reactive and more reflective. And so each week we're going to pose a series of reflective questions. And we hope that you'll go to the website right now, westside.atltrinity.org, and click on practices. 
and throughout the week, engage in these practices so that you could actually deepen maybe what you're hearing on a Sunday or at these podcasts, daily podcast moments. Uh, now is a time for you and me to grow in our personal walk with God. Maybe we'll look back on this and say one of the gifts and all of the pain was that we were um, forced into some places of seclusion where we would learn maybe something about being with God and how to live with him and look at our hearts and our lives. And we don't want you just to do that uh, here and there. We actually want to equip you to do that. And we hope that you'll avail yourself of some of the tools that we're trying to give you each and every week. Um, let me pray for us and then we'll send you into your Monday. God, we pray that you would give us grace. We pray that you would help us to be attentive to you. We pray, God, that you would help us to grow. And we thank you for Easter. And we pray, God, that we would get ultimately find our feet, get our feet under us so that we would walk in the truth of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.